My name is AC Dinjak, and this is my wife, Debbie Terry. We've been married for a little over six years and have two boys. Keenan is nine, and Noah just turned six. I was born in the West African country of Cameroon. My father was a customs officer and also an alcoholic. And my mother was our caregiver and disciplinarian. I grew up in a religious household where we went to church every Sunday. Early on, my parents instilled the values of building lasting relationships, service and compassion over material possessions in our lives. My father passed away when I was just 16. I was devastated by such a sudden separation and became very angry with God. The person that I looked up to had just died. My trust in God, my faith, and values were compromised at this point. I then began to fully engage in disobedient behavior towards God and other people. While in college, my compromised values began to fully manifest themselves. Drinking, late night partying, and inappropriate relationships were taking center stage in my life. It was clear I was going in the wrong directions, but I just didn't know how to deal with it. I was filled with bitterness, anger, and resentment. And so the only choice I thought I had was to continue in such behavior. It is worth mentioning that there was no positive male figure in my life then. So my early childhood was a happy one. My mother was determined to teach us about God. She took us to church regularly and led us in nightly prayers and Bible readings. At the time, I did not realize the trouble brewing in my parents' marriage. When I was six years old, my father married a second wife, which was legal in Kenya at the time. This created a very confusing dynamic in our family. My mother soon moved out a few months later, taking my older brother and me with her. I spent the rest of my childhood living with each of my parents for years at a time. As much as I wanted to, I never felt like I belonged at either of the houses. I felt the need to constantly prove myself, and this began a pattern of constantly seeking the approval of others. At boarding school, I became involved in a Bible study group where I gave my life to Christ at the age of 12. I walked with the Lord all the way through my high school under the confines of a very restrictive school. This changed drastically when I graduated and moved back home. I began living in rebellion to everything I had known to be true about God. I was partying hard and dating guys were nothing but trouble. I soon dropped out of law school because it did not fit well with my rebellious ways. My mother was frustrated with my lifestyle and thought it would be a good idea for me to come to America and go to college. Unfortunately, I brought my rebellion across the seas with me. It was during this time of great confusion that I met and married my first husband. The marriage was not entered into or lived in accordance to what God calls us to. In the end, our own disobedience led to harsh consequences, one of which was the dissolution of the marriage. The following years were punctuated with times that I would make weak attempts to return to the Lord I already knew, followed by periods of rebellious behavior. It was during one such time that I met A.C., I met my lovely wife, Debbie, in the spring of 2006 at a local hangout spot. 
I spotted her across the room and knew I would have to find a way to talk to her. We hit it off immediately. We found that we had the same interest, such as entertaining, dancing, and music. It was not long before I was telling my family and friends that this was a woman that I was going to spend the rest of my life with. Within a very short time of us meeting, I moved in with her and her son. Two years later, we found out that we were expecting a baby and rushed into marriage. Our marriage was not built on a solid biblical foundation. We had never even talked about plans for our marriage, let alone seek godly counsel. We called ourselves Christians, but nothing about our lives outside of Sunday mornings entered at our faith. We were totally winging it. The first few years were rough. I was constantly angry and blamed Debbie for everything that went wrong. My drinking problem that I'd had worked, I'd worked hard, so hard to, had to hide sorry, began to rear its ugly head. I was living in absolute denial that I was an alcoholic and would not admit it, not to even myself. Yet, I saw all the signs. We were happy when I was not drinking, but as time went on, these moments were fewer and further between. Even though we had some friends who had began to notice, we did not have a community of believers, and this was entirely our fault. We lived our first few years in isolation. Being away from our families in Africa, we surrounded ourselves with friends, yet we failed to seek people who would speak godly wisdom into our marriage. We were trying to do the Christian walk on our own, and we failed miserably. Proverbs 15.22 says, Plans fail for lack of counsel. Our occasional trips to church on Sundays felt more like duty than communing with fellow believers. On the outside, we looked prim and proper like a godly couple that had it all together. But behind closed doors, we were struggling pretty badly. After several harrowing incidences, I realized Ace's drinking was more than just a bad habit. I began to live in a state of fear and anxiety, not knowing what would happen from day to day. With this, too, my need for control escalated. Not only did I not regard AC as a leader of a family, I chose to make all family decisions single-handedly. This only increased the conflict in our marriage. It was during this time that my cousin invited me to Watermark, and I repeatedly and unsuccessfully tried to encourage AC to come with us. The children and I began to attend church here, and the overwhelming message God revealed to me over the years is that all God wanted from me was me. I had spent most of my life trying to earn his salvation and failing every single time. I began to learn what it means to completely submit my life to God, every aspect of it. This prepared me for what would be even darker days in our marriage. So here comes the darker days. So on a rainy night, rainy spring night in 2012, just like this one, I packed up my belongings, leaving behind my wife and two sons. That night was a culmination of six and a half years riddled with alcoholism, depression, and financial crisis, which had led to anger, 
resentment, guilt, but mostly a sense of hopelessness for the restoration of our marriage. It was a time that I felt God had turned his face away from us. It felt like our prayers for healing in our marriage had gone unanswered. At this point, my my struggle with alcoholism was in full swing, and it became clear that my life was unmanageable. I had chosen to serve two masters and failed to attend to my first ministry, my wife and children. The days spent drinking were all an escape from the ruins that allowed to continue piling up in my life and now our life. The only thing that seemed to work at the time was complete isolation from everything and everyone. And in spite of constant yearning from my wife to me to lead us, there was only one way that proved right to me at a time. And the consequences of my disobedience to God were now apparent. Financial ruin, multiple job losses, the reality of a life without my family and multiple jail times. Our many attempts, mostly Debbie's, to seek counsel from the outside world all proved to be of no avail. It was clear we would have to yet again separate, and this time for good. But God's worksmanship never fails because he allowed me to come across a priest who has a heart for people like me. He took interest in our life and began to counsel and admonish me daily. He encouraged me to live and maintain a life of prayers and trust in the Lord. The only way, he reassured me, the seeds of change will start being planted in my life was if I totally surrendered my life to God. In John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. After AC left her home abruptly, the boys and I were hard-pressed to find an affordable place to live. God used his people to minister to us in such a mighty way. The stewardship team here at Watermark and our friends showed us his love at a time we really needed it. They supported us through our transition. They prayed with us, comforted, and helped us find an apartment. As time went by, AC and I started to speak occasionally, and he would sometimes keep the boys for the day. I began to notice a change in his demeanor every time I saw him. The only way that I can describe it it is that he seemed to be more at peace. And remember for years I had pleaded with him to come to church with us? Well, it was a huge surprise when he called me one night and told me that his day in some weird, out-of-this-world, incomprehensible way that we can only see as God had landed him at Regen which he got a ride from somebody who was coming to region. (laughs) So, July 2012, I had my last drink. The desire was completely gone. I began to process and addressing my problem with alcohol. I started attending Regeneration, a recovery program based on biblical principles and discipleship. Every Monday night, I listened to testimonies and witnessed true stories, the transformation that occurred in other people's lives. I had a newfound hope, and that became the anchor of my life. 
I started working the steps of recovery diligently, every step offering me a glimpse of what a Christ-centered life looks like. Although painful at times, the exercises endured during the amends process proved to be character builders. I had to intentionally initiate conversations with Debbie and was willing to admit my wrongs. And it felt like in the course of only a few months, tremendous change was occurring. God was working in our lives to produce this change. Debbie was able to forgive me for my role in the collapse of our marriage, and I openly embraced this new change. The change initiated by God and the impact that it has on my life now. We learned from Luke 9.23 that, and he was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. I also encouraged Debbie that in order for our marriage to stand a chance, we had to give re-engage a try. So that was the second shock, that AC was suggesting that we should come here to re-engage. It just shows you the things that God can do. We know that he can and he will, but it still surprises us. So we came to engage feeling powerless of our ability to fix our marriage. The first day we came felt like the hardest thing we ever had to do. Neither of us felt physically or emotionally ready to address the mess we had made of our marriage. We were still too raw emotionally to revisit the past. So we mustered up all the determination we could, could to get ourselves ready, get the kids ready, and drive up here. And after all that, we got here to find an empty church. Reengage was on the was on break for Thanksgiving. <laughs> so that was our dry run. <laughs> it made the actual first time we attended a little easier. And as hard as it was, we knew that our way that we had insisted on for so long had not worked. We wanted to do it God's way. Even though we know we love each other, we had been ill-equipped to leave it out as God would have us to do. But learning what God wants for us as believers meant that we not focus on what we're getting out of the marriage as individuals and shift it to living in obedience to God's word. Every Wednesday night, we got to listen to another couple's story of grace. We had leaders who poured their love, prayed for us, and guided us through the Bible instructions on a godly marriage. As described in Ephesians 5.23, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. We walked this journey with a group of couples that became and are still now accountability partners and friends. The biggest transformation occurred with the realization that our marriage is a covenant and not a contract. It is a lifelong commitment that should not be broken depending on how happy we were. With our re-engaged group, we officially threw divorce out of the window. In Mark 10, 11-12, Jesus said, A man who divorces his wife so he can marry someone else commits adultery against her. So God had been softening my heart, whereas in the past I had a hard time releasing my control. I'm learning to get myself out of the way as AC leads our family, and I'm seeing him lead in ways that continue to amaze me. My prayer for myself and for all wives is that we remain faithful even through difficult times. 
First Peter 3, 1 to 2 says, Wives, be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of the wives as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. Over the past few years, we have seen God's hand at work in such a mighty way, not only in the restoration of our marriage, but he has used what we refer to as the locust years to bring us to him, and for that we are always grateful. Through this experience, I've had to face sins in my own walk with him, which include pride, resentment, and failing to respect and submit to my husband as to the Lord, Ephesians 5.22. I'm currently working through these areas while going through region myself. When Jesus walked the earth and performed miracles, he did not heal for healing's sake, but rather it was a foretaste of something even greater that he has given us, and that is new life in him. In Matthew 9.2, Jesus tells the paralytic man to take, his, to, to take heart that his sins are forgiven. And this was in addition to him healing him in the physical sense. In the same way, God healing our marriage is only a taste of the new life that he has given us through his son, Jesus Christ. So I praise God for seeing us through what is a, still a difficult journey at times. And I thank him that he is healing marriages right here. I realize that some may be at a point of hopelessness in their marriages. And I would like to let you know that God is able to heal your marriage. But even more than that, he offers us eternal life with him if we believe in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. If you have not trusted your life to Christ, I would like to encourage you to take that as the first step. This past year, I've been blessed with the opportunity to lead a group of men through region. I see it as a blessing to comfort others with the comfort with which we ourselves have been comforted by God. 2 Corinthians 1.4. Uh, we often joke that the beginning of our marriage should be in the newly words what not to do manual. <laughs> and we even thought about bringing some red flags as props tonight to mark all the red flags we overlooked. But I tell you, this came at a price. A very costly and painful one that we are still recovering from. But the marriage we have now is unrecognizable. As the mess it was before, we praise God that he took something so hopeless and is making something beautiful out of it. Even during the times when we felt God has gone silent on us, he was piecing everything together to mold us to who we're meant to be in him. We thank him for surrounding us with his people who continue to love us and counsel us through us all. We pray that our story may encourage those feeling hopeless, thinking that God has forgotten them. We serve a God who keeps his promises and he's working it all together for your good and mine and everybody else in this room and for his glory. Thanks for your time tonight.